0: When the night falls we know that you are in control in our darkest moments we know that you are a god who's got our back who is with us whatever it takes whatever the cost and we lift you up come on church let's just lift them up thank you jesus thank you lord thank you Awesome, awesome. Hey, just before we take a seat, I'm going to introduce to you Pastor Penny Reed. She's with us all the way from Equippers in Christchurch. One of my favourite things about being part of a network like Equippers, a movement like Equippers, is that we get to do life with people who, do, who, who are just making a difference all over the world. And Pastor Penny, she's one of these. Her husband Caleb and her have made a phenomenal difference in the church in Christchurch. It's such an honour. Give her a hand. So good. Hello, welcome. You can take your seats. Thank you, Bat. Cool. It's such a, an honor for me to be here this morning. I uh, had the privilege last night of uh, being at the women's event. So it's really cool because uh, we had a whole lot of lovely ladies out. And um, I, I, for me, coming to Nelson is, is just a, such a blessing. As Bart said, we're uh, part of a family. You know, Equippers Church, it's not just kind of single churches doing their thing in different parts of New Zealand. But we're part of a connection and part of a family. And so for me, coming is really awesome because there's lots of familiar faces, uh, blessings in Maria. We had the privilege of having them as part of a Cooper's Christchurch. Uh, when we were leading young adults, they were part of our uh, family and, and, and crew. And it's just awesome uh, to be here this morning. And I, uh, for me... Uh, you know, I've known uh, Bart and Rachel, Pastor Bart, it's a real blessing to know these guys. Um, I'm, I'm always inspired by them, uh, you know, the boundless enthusiasm that Bart just continually brings to every situation uh, is inspiring, and for me, you know, just getting to know them more, getting to understand just the heart and the passion that they have for Nelson is is so cool, and you know, I know that they had it when they were in Westport, and, and actually just being able to see the fruit, we've uh, had connection with Westport, we've kind of I've been over there, I've been preaching a few times in Westport and just seeing the legacy of what was established during that time and how they've come to Nelson and they're passionate, you know, when when they're not here and they're talking about Nelson men, uh, like they're passionate about you guys, they're passionate about seeing people flourish, they're passionate about uh, actually, you know, God outworking all of the plan that he's got for um, equipers in Nelson, which is so cool. Uh, And, you know, I loved last night, I I love uh, meeting new people. That's one of my things I like to do. Uh, You know, I'm kind of one of those, I don't know, like, um, you know, I guess I'm an extrovert, so I like to kind of get to know new people, that kind of thing. But it's just a real privilege for me uh, to get to know the ladies. Uh, You know, I said to Rach afterwards, it's so cool to see just the quality of awesome people uh, that you have here, not just here, but a whole lot of the ladies that came from Westport as well. It was really cool just uh, meeting new people and knowing, hey, actually, this is just the start of a relationship, you know, for some I've got to know over the time, uh, but actually for others who, you know, we met for the first time, just really cool to kind of be a part of it and uh, to get to know you. So thank you for having me. Um, I thought it's a little bit, you know, when you come for the first time, it's nice, um, you know, for, for kind of me to just show you a little bit about who I am. Um, so I've got a couple of photos um, here. So I don't know if you can see, this is my husband, Caleb, and uh, so I have a little son called Josh. Josh. Um, I think he's pretty snuggly um, so if you there's one more photo well <laughs> <laughs> so this is Josh uh, he's he's just turned two which is awesome uh, but you know like two year olds you kind of we're like encountering the, that you have to child proof your house to the next level we couldn't use our, our ranch lighter door recently because he put Uh, split peas uh, that he'd got on this kind of little dinosaur play thing. Crazy story. Anyway, he put them in the mechanism of the door. And uh, so we couldn't actually close and lock our door because it was full of split peas. So it took quite a lot of vacuuming to kind of scoop them out. Um, But, you know, being a parent is awesome. We're having another baby in November. Uh, So it's exciting, exciting. So please excuse the puffing. It's kind of a, you know, the baby squishes everything a little bit more. So, um, but it's a real privilege, and I've come with my Auntie Jill uh, this morning. They are um, a Nelson residence, so it's really a. um Privileged to be with them this morning as well. They've lived here for uh, many, many years. So I've had awesome holidays. You know, Nelson was always the place that we came uh, for a holiday. So I have great memories um, of, yeah, awesome time in Nelson. And um, just, yeah, I guess for me, you know, coming back now and um, being able to connect with you, it's a real something this morning. I'm believing that actually uh, God is going to do something awesome uh, you know, for me, I, so I work for church. I used to be a primary school teacher before I had Josh, um, and then I've transitioned. So I work with Tico. So a few weeks ago, you met Pastor Tico. Uh, so he and I kind of work together, uh, which is awesome. And um, yeah, just for me, you know, the... Uh, the, the privilege of being able to just serve God is awesome. I, you know, I know that, uh, you know, life has its moments, ups and downs, and I love being a parent as well, so I kind of do 50-50. I work 20 hours a week for church, and I am a mum uh, for the rest of the time. And just being able to connect with people, being able to uh, see people kind of come into the call that God's got on their life is something that inspires me. I'm passionate about it, and it's cool because Josh is a, um, he's, thankfully got Caleb's musical talent because my musical talent is like this big, you know, I, I know that singing is really not my thing. I would not be up here on the worship team. Uh, but Caleb, uh, Josh loves playing the drums and my husband Caleb's a drummer uh, and it's cool. Josh sings all the time. He, he loves to dance. He's like, it was cool seeing you guys down the front here as well because I love that, that we're in a church where actually the, the next generation, the youngest generations are passionate about Jesus. It's not just kind of coming in and sitting. But actually, they're like, man, this is fun. This is what it should be like. Um, so that's exciting for me. Uh, this morning, I in preparing for this message. I, um, I I kind of was reflecting on a situation I had a few weeks ago. I, uh, anyone heard of the Margaret Mahi playground? It's a kind of new thing that they've built. They built this r- awesome big playground in Christchurch and really cool. Uh, and they had have one of these kind of things such as it's like a seesaw but kind of wiggly if you can imagine so like it's not so so you, the intention is that you kind of walk up one side and then you get to a certain point and then your weight transfers and you know and then you kind of go down the other side it's, I wouldn't recommend it when you're pregnant you know it's not really like you know when you're little you've got great balance and then all of a sudden you just this like comes this day you wake up and you, it hurts to do exercise and and things uh, and so I I was there and you know, as, uh, Josh was kind of wanting to have a go, so, you know, you're kind of holding him as a parent uh, as he's on there. But, you know, the the idea is that it gets to a certain point and then all of a sudden the transfer happens, you know, that the, the weight transfer. So you're kind of going up, but actually there, there comes a point where the shift comes. And what I really was believing as preparing for this message is, you know, for, for a lot of us, we've kind of feel like the weight has been on one side and we haven't seen the shift that we were believing for. For? that actually, you know, there's been a kind of like, okay, we're heading up who, and we're believing that some point something's going to change, but we haven't actually got to the point yet where the shift has taken place. But what I was believing really as the Holy Spirit was just um, speaking and just preparing was that actually today can be a day of shift that there's a day of transformation, that actually the things where we've been believing for something and and almost lost hope in the fact that that could be possible, that actually today is a day for transformation. Today is a day where all of a sudden, you know, that in a moment things change. Uh, and that in the kingdom that that happens, that, you know, in God's timing, he just shifts things. Um, and so this morning, that's a really, I wanted to, to bring that as a thought because, um you know, I think... Every time uh, you come to church, you have an opportunity to respond. You know, that there's, there's a, I guess, a decision that we all make uh, in any time we're listening, you know, to the word or uh, we're encountering Jesus that actually um, I'm either kind of, I'm gonna let it just be, Nice sound in my ears, or I'm going to let it kind of come into my heart a little bit more. That decision to say, Hey, actually, I, I don't want to just go away feeling, Oh, that that was kind of nice. And, you know, Oh, you know, that that tickled the outside, but actually that God was allowed into the point that he could do something significant on the inside. And so this morning, that's the kind of invitation. Uh, you can take it. Uh, that's your choice, and but but I wanted to bring something that I, I. It's kind of one of those things. I thought the first time you come to a place is this a you know a risky thing to talk about? But I, I in preparing I felt really strongly about this as a message for you um, as a church, and so uh, I I wanted to. I'm just going to go there. So come with me on the journey. Is that good? Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if you've had those times in life uh, where things are going good and then all of a sudden everything seems to change. It's almost the opposite, you know. You're kind of feeling like things are are going well and then like change happens uh, in your life. And, you know, you might have been born in the 70s. You can kind of give me a little wave if you were born in the 70s. Yeah, there's a few people. So in in 1970, uh, they uh, were, you know, there was a, a space race. Uh, They were, you know, racing to send people off into orbit, and, uh, you know, we've all heard the saying, Houston, we have a problem, right? Every movie in America, you know, uh, like these days, that's become a a well-known saying, but uh, on uh, the 13th of April in 1970, the the guy, Jim Lovell, said it for the first time, and they they were on a mission to the moon, Uh, they were 56 hours into this mission, Uh, and all of a sudden, there was an explosion aboard the spacecraft. Uh, who remembers this? Yeah, a few people out there. Uh, and, you know, and it plunged the crew into a fight for survival instantly. You know, they were just instantly in shock. They, all of a sudden, what what had been going really well uh, turned around and there was something where they kind of uh, a massive system failure. Uh, basically, they said, uh, the... The flight controller was quoted as saying it was at all at one time a monstrous failure. So, you know, you think it's not, not exactly how you kind of would have hoped uh, things would be going as the astronauts when you're heading off into space. Uh, but I, I'm, I love that, you know, even in, in challenging circumstances, uh, things can change. Uh, and I'm reminded, you know, of uh, the time of Jesus you know that in uh, the believers and the disciples in the time of Jesus, they were in a challenging circumstance. You know, Jesus came in at a time when they'd been suffering great oppression under Rome. Uh, that they'd been, you know, they'd been an oppressed people that they hadn't been able to do things, and they knew because of the scriptures of the Old Testament, that there was the Savior coming. They knew of a Messiah. They knew he was going to be this significant uh, person. And they were like they were excited because they, you know, they're believing, man, maybe this Messiah is going to save us. You know, maybe this Messiah is going to come with military might and overtake the Roman Empire and we're all going to be free. You know, we're going to be able to, to do what we want. And, and so they start to follow him and they trust him and, you know, they make decisions to, to give their lives uh, for the cause that he's talking about. And, you know, they, they choose, like, I'm going to leave what I'm doing and I'm going to pursue something more. You know, some of them were fishermen, some of them were tax collectors. They did all sorts of different jobs. Doctors, they, they came from different fields, but they, like, they believed in this cause that Jesus was talking about. And so they're thinking, wow, cool, you know, God's coming. And, and for us, I guess we've been called to that too, you know, that there's a call for our lives. And, and they, they understood and they believed that this was the one. He was the one, the Messiah, the one that had been spoken about, the one that John the Baptist had kind of prepared the way that he was coming. And so things are going well until this point he starts talking about dying on a cross. And they're like, hold on. Uh, okay, but you know, you're coming to like overthrow the world. You know, you're going to like, you know, just, just like, you know, it's going to be awesome. Uh, we don't know quite how it's going to happen, but something's going to come. You're, you're the one that's coming to save us. And in Matthew 16 and verse 21, Jesus predicts his death. Uh, and his disciples don't really grasp it because they've got these kind of preconceived ideas of how they imagine things are going to go. They've decided, hey actually, you no, know, Jesus is here and and so again, he says it to them and, and they're a little bit more afraid to kind of ask what it means because, you know, he said it once and they thought, oh, maybe he's just kind of joking around with us, you know, and then he says it again and it's recorded in Mark 9, 31 and they're talking about it and, you know, they kind of start to get a bit more afraid to ask what he means and then, you know, a little bit of time goes on and you know, then Jesus is crucified. And they're like, this seems like an apparent catastrophe. You know, you've come, the, the saviour of the world all of a sudden is is killed, you know, and a gruesome death on the cross. And the one that was supposed to come and rescue them, the one that was supposed to save them, uh, is, is lost. And they're kind of thinking, man, what was supposed to be this, this ultimate triumph ha- had been a defeat. But actually... You know, a few days later when Jesus is resurrected, they realize that what seemed like an ultimate defeat was in fact the greatest triumph of all time. And, and I, I love that as believers, you know, there'll be times when we go through trials and, and it seems like defeat. You know, it, there'll be times when we go through situations and, and it feels like, man, this is so not how I saw this working out. You know, this is so not how uh, things, but what, what the crucifixion of Jesus shows us is that God can be glorified in defeat. And actually what seems like defeat can be the greatest moment of victory uh, in our lives. And, and I love that the Bible is full of real life people. You know, I love that as I read the Bible, it's not people that are are so far removed from the world. Maybe their circumstances are different, but it's not so removed from uh, the world that we live in that actually we can't relate. Because there are two times where we'll face trials, where things have been going well, or, or we're believing for something, and, you know, it doesn't quite happen as we expect. You know, I shared a story with the ladies last night about an injury I got and it was kind of really unexpected, you know, and uh, I won't share that with you this morning, but, you know, for us sometimes in our lives, all of a sudden in a moment, things can shift. Uh, But, uh, you know, as we step out in faith and things get harder, you know, that there's challenging times. And I I think this morning, I really believe that there's a few things we can do in these kind of situations really uh, for us to, to hold on to. And the first one is to choose to believe again, even though something seems impossible. Uh, There's a, a thing that disappointment can rob us of our faith. You know, suffering, disappointment, having challenging circumstances, it can rob us. And the temptation is to limit our faith to our experience. You know, something didn't happen quite as we were expecting, and then we bring it back down. But There's, you know, there's great stories in the Bible of people that continue to believe despite the circumstances that they're facing. And uh, one of those stories is in 1 Samuel in chapter 1, and it's the story of Hannah, uh, who's the mother of Samuel. And uh, Hannah's married to this man named Elkanah, and Elkanah has two wives, uh, so Hannah and Penaniah. Uh, And Penaniah has children, but Hannah can't. Uh, and so she lives in this environment and uh, she's kind of surrounded by the fact that this other woman has children and she can't have children. And uh, every year they travel to this place called Shiloh to worship and offer sacrifices to God. Uh, and uh, they kind of get portions allotted to them based on the size of their family. But she, she gets a portion and that's it because she has no children. And uh, she loves uh, she's loved by her husband, but she's barren. You know, she can't have any children, and, and what's worse is that her uh, husband's second wife taunts her. You know, and not only is she faced with the fact that the kids are in her face all of the time, but uh, she's taunted by this woman, and, and it causes great grief and strife in her life. Uh, she's not, uh, she doesn't eat, and she's overcome with grief. And, and years go by, and, and Hannah chooses to continue to believe. And I wanted to read to you from 1 Samuel 1 verse 9. It says, After the sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for your entire life, for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he will be dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watching her, uh, Eli watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound. He thought she'd been drinking. You must, uh, you must come. You must, you come here drunk. He demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you the request you have asked of him. I thank you, sir, she asked. She went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up and the next morning they went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah. When Elkanah slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea and in due time she gave birth to a a son. She named him Samuel for she said, I asked the Lord for him. And you know, it's an, an amazing story, really, of someone who continues to to believe despite the circumstances she's in. You know, to to be a woman in the Old Testament to be childless is is a real shame. You know, it's something that is a uh, considered a failure. You know, an embarrassment for her husband. Uh, she would have suffered a lot, and uh, and without a way really to be supported in her old age, if her husband had died. Uh, and, you know, she's discouraged, but she's honest before God. She's real about her disappointment. She's real about the struggle. She's real about things. And, you know, the the challenge, because she's suffered persecution every day. You know, eyes in her face, cruel, taunting. You know, she's got to live in the household. And, you know, her husband, who he loves her, can't solve her problem. And, you know, she's misunderstood for her motives. Uh, the priest thinks that she's drunk when she comes to the temple. And really, instead of retaliating or giving up hope, she's just really honest with God. She says, man, you know, I'm going to continue to believe I'm going to continue to trust you. I'm going to continue to, to, to believe that something can shift uh, and to resolve to, to leave a problem with the Lord. She decides, man, I'm not going to take it. And, you know, I know for, for each of us, there can be times in our life when, when it feels like uh, barrenness is just about you know that things that we've been believing for, maybe in our work, uh, maybe in things that we're doing and serving and those kind of things, or in relationships, it, it feels like we go through periods of barrenness, right? And it's, it's difficult to pray when we feel our faith is ineffective, uh, but Hannah discovers that prayer opens the way for God to move. You know, and for us, I didn't want it to be a heavy thought this morning, but to bring faith that actually we serve a God who desires uh, to meet our needs. And that sometimes we don't understand the circumstances of our lives. You know, we're maybe believing for someone. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and we haven't seen any shift. But actually, you know, just continuing to choose, God, I'm going to believe again I'm going to just be honest and real before you. I'm going to trust you and, and know that despite my circumstances that you are, uh, you are faithful and I can trust in you. And I, and I love it. Last night we talked a little bit with the woman, but just the power of community. Because let's be honest, we get to a moment in life often where it feels like we kind of run out of the ability to have faith for ourselves. And that's where relationship is so important. To have people in your e-group beside you saying, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, things have been really hard, but I'm believing for you. I'm believing for that healing. I'm believing uh, for that family member to be saved. I'm believing for your child to come home. I'm believing for things to shift in your life. And the second thought is this. When facing trials, we need to choose to sow seed. See... If you think of the crop wheat, right, you can use it for two things. You can either grind it up and use it to make food, or you can use it for seeds to grow more wheat. Uh, You can use it for more crops. And and farmers, they plant seeds with the intention of reaping a harvest. You know, if you're a farmer, you don't just plant seeds kind of willy-nilly. You know, the intention is that you're believing for something to grow. And in order to reap a harvest... You have to plant the seeds, and you have to give it time for things to grow and you know if you plant apple seeds, uh, you're not expecting grapefruit uh, to be you know to be grown right I mean I'm no expert in uh, gardening, but I, I do know that you know if you plant one thing, then you expect to have that and you know in in times of challenge, it can be easier to see. The seeds in our hands is meeting an immediate need. You know, often we, we think, oh, man, I've only, maybe I've only got this much money. And so right now I'm just going gonna, gonna to hold on to it because, you know, because who knows what might happen. And, and we want a contingency plan. We want to keep those seeds in our hand. But the thing is, unless we plant the seed in the ground, it can't grow. You know, unless we choose to continue to sow seed into things, it, ca- it can't grow. It can't bring new things. Uh, and, and there is a period, right? You, you put it in the ground and we'd all like to think that we're like that microwave generation where, you know, like 30 seconds later, whoop, <laughs> you know, we got an apple tree. But like, like <laughs> life doesn't quite happen like that. And there is a period of waiting, but actually believing, hey, I've planted seed, You know, even in challenging times, and good times, I've continued to be faithfully sowing seed. I've continued to trust in God. I've continued to, to believe. I've continued to sow into relationships. And then in doing that, actually, we'll see a harvest that comes. And 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 to 10 says this. Remember, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That's a powerful scripture. You know, it's a reminder of what God is is wanting to do in us, but that makes a decision for us to choose hey, I'm going to invest, I'm going to sow seeds you know i'm going to i'm going to do it not just with financial resources but with everything you know i'm going to continue to sow in faith i'm going to continue to believe in relationships and uh, i who, who did physics at school yeah, It might be a very long time ago you know, uh, I don't think it was, like in my head, you know, I kind of think I was at school not that long ago and then I start counting back the years and it gets a bit depressing, kind of realising. <laughs> you know, I, the other day I told someone I was uh, a year younger than I actually was and Caleb and I are the same age and he's like, you know, we're not that age, right? We're one year older and I was like, oh, uh, um, okay, so, so got to tell myself that that's my new age, you know. <laughs> like, my birthday's in March, so I've been that age for quite a long time now. <laughs> But, you know, at school, we, we learnt about the laws of motion. You know, Isaac Newton, he talked about all these laws of motion. And uh, his third law of motion is that each action has an equal and opposite reaction. Who remembers? Yeah, coming back to you, the physics that you learnt, you know, that uh, high school. And, you know, I think that physical action has a spiritual reaction You know, that physical action, I heard Pastor Mark Nash say it, and I I love that thought, that physical action can have a spiritual reaction. And we understand this in our different aspects of our walk with God. You know, we praise and we worship. And actually, you know, we don't just choose to sing and dance because we love it. You know, I, I came from a conservative Anglican church before I moved to Equippers. and you know, like that, like moving was quite quite outside of my box, right? You know, I, you know, like clapping was a big deal in my life, <laughs> church growing up kind of thing. So you know, like jumping this way and then jumping, you know, this, but actually, I've seen. That, that choosing to, to put aside maybe my personal preference brings shift. That brings a freedom. It brings a change. It brings transformation. That it releases joy. And it signifies, God, I'm surrendered to you. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of confronts a little bit of, of the uh, conservative, you know, New Zealand nature. But actually, the spiritual reaction is an atmosphere of breakthrough and freedom. So often when people come to Equipus churches around New Zealand, you know, the thing that they're like, man, it just felt so free. Like, oh, man, I just, God spoke to me in a way. It shifted something. And and that's because we're intentional about creating an atmosphere and an environment where there's breakthrough. You know, where we're, we're saying, God, I'm giving you our praise. And, and you know, the, the same with fasting and prayer. You know, that we make a decision that we're choosing to go without food you know the physical action of going without food and in Daniel we read uh, that uh, where the kind of the Daniel fast first came from it says "Uh, relax Daniel he continued don't be afraid from the moment you decided to humble yourself to receive understanding your prayer was heard and I set out to come to you but I was waylaid Uh, and so basically what happens with Daniel is he prays and then he fasts for 21 days. And at the end of 21 days, uh, the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, hey, I was released on the first day, but it took 21 days. I was fighting a battle on your behalf. And at the end, he receives the breakthrough. And so for us, you know, as we choose to, to plant seeds, as we choose to pray, you know, as we choose to sow in faith, as we choose to, to give, uh, that actually, uh, you know, we see spiritual reactions. We understand a freedom that, you know, that uh, we haven't been able to achieve. We talked about perfect peace last night, understanding, man, as I hold fast to you, God, as I trust in you, that actually I can know a supernatural peace that, that's not able to be achieved in my own strength. And I I think it's a challenging thought. Like, what seeds are we planting now that we're going to reap a harvest in the future? Are are you sowing seeds that you want to reap a harvest in the future? (laughs) That's always an interesting thought, right? (laughs) Are you sowing seeds with your time that you want to receive a harvest in the future? You know, like, I'm always challenged by that when you kind of realise 25 minutes has gone past and you're still scrolling down Instagram or Facebook and you're like, I had stuff to do you know, (laughs) but what kind of things are you doing You know, are there areas where instead of planting a seed you've eaten it that in a moment of need you've actually eaten it rather than making a decision that I'm going to plant it in this moment Are, are there places where we're sowing our seed on unfruitful ground Right? Like where we're maybe sowing into social media and time and, and into things that are, uh, uh, you know, they're not bad and, and such. But, you know, sowing into things, maybe sowing into relationships that aren't good for us. The influence isn't good. Or the other side, are we sowing, you know, into connection, into relationship where we're seeing a harvest Maybe God's called you to to connect into people's lives, but actually the the seeing that come to pass, you know, it might be years of just faithfully investing in someone before we see a return. I love that. You know, youth is a great example. You can spend a lot of time investing into people and see no change, and then overnight God will shift something in their life. And all of a sudden you realise, man, that was awesome. The, The third one is this, right? So when we're facing trials, we have to choose to believe. The second is that we have to choose to sow seed. And the third is that we have to choose to trust God. And it's a well-known passage. We shared it last night. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll you show you which paths to take. And, you know, trust is something we know a lot about. And if I was to say, you know, trust God, then kind of we'd all agree that that was a good thing. But I found that it's harder than we think, right? <laughs> you know, to because let's be honest, we, we think we're quite capable, you know, that we can manage, like we, we're relatively good and then every so often we're like, okay, God, I'm, uh, you know, this is kind of a bit outside of my own ability so I'm going to give it to you and then, and then after a while things start to shift and then we're like, okay, God, I got it now. You're fine, you know. <laughs> but actually trusting in our own strength, you know, can be challenging relationships. You know, maybe you're single and you're believing for Mr. Right, right? That you're believing for someone, it's really easy to, to kind of have that hope at the start, but kind of over time, you just don't see that kind of happen. And then all of a sudden you kind of start thinking, oh, maybe, maybe the person that I was after kind of wasn't gonna be possible or whatever, or, you know, that it's we begin to kind of re- think, our oh, compromise is okay that actually doesn't matter too much in these things. And, you know, relationships can just be one thing, that actually, you know, we're believing for something, but we start to kind of uh, limit it because of our experience. Um, I know tithing and uh, finances is one of those big things. We understand the power of giving. I know you guys are doing the Blessed Life series. We've just done that as a church as well. And we understand that. But, you know, when things get tight, it's easy to hold on to it. And for me, I I wanted to share a little bit of a story. Caleb and I, uh, so we had Josh kind of after a crazy year of having Josh, and then three months after Josh was born, uh, I'd kind of finished my maternity leave as a teacher, and Caleb lost his job just completely out of the blue. So he works in IT, uh, which is, you know, a great industry, but also quite unpredictable. So the company he worked for just completely went under overnight kind of thing. And so you go from kind of both working to having no income, and that happened in November of uh, the year. Like So we had a three-month-old, and uh, during that time... You know, no no one wants to employ someone in December or November kind of thing. And so there was this crazy month, three-month period where we didn't have any income. You know, we have a house, we had a mortgage, we had a brand-new baby. I'd had a broken neck that year. Like, it had been a crazy year for us. You know, and all of a sudden, we're in this position where it's like, God, this is so not how I saw this kind of working out. But actually, because we'd made a decision early in our marriage and before we were married that we were going to trust God with our finances. You know, we made a decision, okay, God, even when we're students, that we're going to give because we don't want to have to work this out on our own. We want to trust in you for your resources. And what was amazing in that three-month period, you know, that We could hold fast to the promises that we believed in, that actually we didn't have to come under this weight of feeling like, man, we've got to make it work somehow. God just provided. And what was incredible was at the end of three months when he got a, a new job and started working again, you know, we were no worse off. Which is crazy, right? You still pay your mortgage for three months. You kind of—I don't have a physical, you know, an explanation for what happened. But God just provided in ways that we were kind of so not expecting, which was incredible. And for me, it was a reminder that, man, what am I trusting in? What am I trusting in? What am I trusting in? What, trusting in? what are the things? Is it my own understanding? And and actually, you know. God doesn't promise us a problem-free life. You know, I I hope I haven't given you the impression that, you know, life has always been challenging for me. Because there's been awesome stuff I shared with the ladies who broke my neck. You know, there's been times when, you know, it feels like things have been a bit up and down. Uh, But God has been incredibly faithful. You know, that actually we've known a faithfulness. And uh, the thing is amazing is that He doesn't just leave us or forsake us. That actually he draws us close in challenging circumstances. He, he desires relationship. He's like, hey, you know, I, I love in Deuteronomy 31, uh, Moses is about to die and he's talking to Joshua who's going to take over. And he says to him, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And that's an incredibly powerful promise that we get to hold on to, too. And, you know, if you, if you know anything about the story of the Apollo mission, when what happened, basically, is that the spacecraft looped around the moon and it used the gravity of the moon to return to Earth. So it came back and, and millions of people followed the drama on television. You know, it was a massive thing. And eventually, the capsule splashed down in the Pacific Ocean, kind of near Tonga. And and at the time, there was an article written, and it said this, uh, from disaster to triumph, although the mission was not a success from a conventional perspective, it was a triumph of ingenuity and determination. And Jim Lovell, the guy who'd said, Houston, we have a problem, He said later that actually it showed the people of the world that even if there was a great catastrophe, that it could be turned into a success that actually the trial that they went through, what happened is all of a sudden they had to work out a way of getting home. And so they came up with all of these incredible new things to to be able to get them back safe with what they had. They only had what was in the spacecraft. And, you know, so it led to innovation. It led to ingenuity. It led to change. It was actually a triumph in the end. And and this morning, I, I really believe that God wants to minister to people because the thing is this, right? Some, some of us have looked at some things in life and trials that we've come through and it, our hope has waned. You know, that the challenge that we've got to, we've, over time it's felt like actually, you know, we've believed and, and we've seen it, or we were hoping for something and it didn't work out as we were expecting and, it, and it's had an impact, you know, it's been painful. It's hurt. It's maybe it's made us kind of shrink back from from trusting or believing for things in the past. But I, I believe that today's you know that moment of transition, that actually where where things have have been. Like have been kind of i don 't know maybe you've even died in in, in what we 're believing for and what we 're really hoping that God would do actually today is a day where God is going to restore you know today is a day where hope is going to be restored that actually things will shift and uh, so maybe if the worship team can come that 'd be awesome but What I wanted to do is just create an environment, you know, because I'd love to pray for people. And I know the team, uh, the guys, um, Pastor Bart and Rachel, they would love to be able to pray for you. If you feel this morning that, man, I, I need hope. I I wanna see a shift in my life. I wanna see something change. You know, I was trusting God and believing, but actually, you know, things haven't worked out quite as I was imagining. And and I want to believe again that this morning, I would love to kind of just create a space and uh, if it's all right, you can come forward. And one of the team would love to pray for you. And we're gonna sing a a worship song as we do that. So uh, you can stand to your feet as well. But I'm believing, you know, this morning that actually hope will be restored. But for people where, uh, where things, you know, it felt like actually things had, had not worked out, that God is gonna release ingenuity. God is gonna release transformation. God is gonna bring new ideas and innovation into people's lives. And where there are uh, trials that people have been in, actually God is gonna shift things around. And so maybe it's today you're in the middle of something. And you're saying, God, I need to see a shift. I need to see something different. And so this morning, just as as the team sing, I'd love to invite you to come forward. And one of the team, we'd love to be able to pray for you, just that God will bring something fresh, that he'll bring something of of the kingdom and he'll uh, ignite something new in your heart this morning.